I love microdosing. I love microdosing. Yesterday, I needed to go practice my drums and I popped a little microdose gummy and I'll tell you what happened. I drummed for about a good two hours. That's fabulous. Yeah. I was looking at our new roof, hoping that it wasn't going to leak and I got some anxiety about it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gummy just to calm down so I can go to sleep and not worry about this. And I did and I had a great night's sleep and I woke up and there was no leak. I've noticed a change in you for the, a positive change. I like to hear that. Yeah. I feel like your mood is like very centered. I'm sleeping much better. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just that right amount of good. And you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com promo code pants. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com promo code pants for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com promo code pants. Okay, you go ahead and start this one off. The podcast? Mm -hmm. How you want to do it. I want to do it how we always do it. Which is? Which is today we're discussing episode 203, Leisha, and it's called The Loneliest Number, and it's written by Lara Spots. Our very good friend Lara Spots, not just Lara Spots. Do you want to say how you met Lara Spots? So Lara is a very old dear friend of mine who I met as my transpo girl in New York City when I was doing an indie film called All Over Me. And I would leave my apartment in the morning and she was the one on the crew who would come pick me up. And that's how we got to know each other. (laughs) And cut two. She just wrote episode 203. Yeah. And so when this show was on the air. I'm a big advocate for always getting people I love on projects I'm working on. So I'm always like, you got to meet Lara or you got to use this director that, you know, and they loved Lara and she ended up in the writer's room second season. And this is her episode. So that wasn't happenstance. That was you that got her into the writer's room that year. Her talent got her the job. I just mentioned her name and how amazing she is because I watched Lara go from transpo girl to head of development at Bravo. I've never seen someone climb a ladder in such a perfect way. Well, she's smart. She's talented. I know through the last 30 years where you're just like, yep, that makes sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So this was just a rate. This was just a, what are they called on a ladder? What are those called? A rung. A rung. This was just a rung in Lara's life. Well, I got to hand it to Lara and Rose Trochet who directed this one. So far in season two, this has been my favorite. My favorite as well. I really enjoyed it. Me too. I smiled. I laughed. Me too. I rolled my eyes Mm -hmm. and I shook my head in disbelief. All the emotions you want in one episode of The L Word. It was everything you want. It delivered. Really did. The L Word delivered. I didn't remember her writing this and I was like, oh, it's Lyra's. And then I just on a little little ride for the whole hour and I, I just finished it and I'm on a high. I thought it was fantastic. I think you and I just watched it at the exact same time because I too just finished mm-hmm. it, made a cup of tea, and here we are. I made a cup of tea. What kind of tea? Did you make a cuppa? I made a cup. I made a cup of black tea. Make, you made my kind of cuppa? Yes. I have a drink. We call it a cuppa, which is PG tips, oat milk, and a little dollop of maple syrup, and it's my go-to drink. Yeah, it's exactly what I had, but my friend Heather, who's... You know, her, her mother was English and her grandmother, Phyllis, was English. She would throw down about PG tips. She'd be like, it's about Yorkshire tea. Wait, she didn't like PG tips? She like she thinks PG tips is like, eh. It's like Folgers coffee? Well, no. I mean, it's a pretty good, like, backup plan for Yorkshire tea, but... All right. Well, I'm American. So PG tips to me is... I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll get you some Yorkshire tea. You can do a little A-B test. I would love that. I'll let Heather know what you think. That's so funny. We're having the same drink. It's cozy. It's an afternoon pick-me-up. Yeah, I was like, you know what I want right now? And then I just made it for myself. That's what I liked about Vancouver. You go into coffee shops in Vancouver and they would have those and they were called London Fogs. You could find them all over, all over Vancouver. London Fogs. Yeah. Well, that's with, what's the other tea? Earl Grey. But you could get it with PG Tips or you could get it with English Breakfast. But they always had that at all the coffee shops, London Fog. And here in America... You can't find it and they don't know what it is. I think the best cup of tea is when someone makes it for you, especially that kind. I made you a great cup last week, didn't I? I know you did. I even frothed the milk for you just the way you like it. Didn't didn't I pumpkin? 
You did, honey. I did. I did. Okay. Loneliest number. Let's kick it. Loneliest number. The air date was March 6, 2005. All right. It opens on the cold open. Alice is in the planet, but it's like a jungle. You're in the Brazilian rainforest. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I forgot about this opener. And I was so happy because it's the best opener of the series, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a really bad nightmare. Tanya shows up in a hot pink, tight cleavage showing dress and her hair's like permed out and she's like a bad girl, you know, and she's she's a cartoon villain. Yeah, she's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's like Ursula from from The Little Mermaid. She's like, you know, she's and, and you're just sitting there like a babe in the woods, uh, speechless. Uh, it's great. It's amazing. And just, she's seducing you, right? She's like, come on, give it to Tauntaun. Yeah, give it to Tauntaun and Tauntaun's hungry or something, starving or something. And she goes down between my legs and then I wake up. And then it's Dana in between your legs. Oh, right. Dana's down there. That's right. <laughs> With a perm also. And it wound up being a dream. And then suddenly <gasps> you wake up and it's a dream. It's like Alice's subconscious is working overtime. Yeah, she's like, I know how you feel. You're a bad girl. It was so good. It was a great one. Then we cut to... The law office of Joyce Wishnia. She's a ball buster. Mm-hmm. And she is saying everything to bet that Tina never could, but probably wanted to. I found it really like boundary crossing, but I loved every second of it. I was like, yeah. Yeah, Joyce. Uh-huh, Joyce. Yep, Joyce. Correct. It's funny how they're talking about marriage, too, because Beth's lawyer's like, Joyce, this isn't a marriage. And then she lists everything it was. And then it was like, yeah. But that's what we had to do to, to prove that actually, no, we weren't legally married by law. But all of these assets indicate that, yeah, we were like, that's the argument that we used to be stuck in. And that wasn't that long ago. It was not that long ago at all. And Bet offering 10 G's in an apartment. I died. Really, but come on. Ten, well, but in Bet's defense, she thought, oh, Tina's going to be back in a week. Right. So here's 10 grand for like, or two weeks. And Joyce is like 10 grand to start. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's adorable. <laughs> but Bet didn't know that they were getting divorced, that it was like a final separation. Yeah. She was shocked in the office. Yeah. And Jane Lynch, she's a breath of fresh air on the show. Ugh. Her and Meredith McGeechy just bring it up to a whole other level. I, they're my favorites. I know. What does she say? Then Bet leaves the, then Bet and the, her lawyer take off and Tina's upset. And she's like, what does Joyce say? She's like, I'm in pain. She's like, what do you need? A foot rub? Oh yeah. I'm in pain. <laughs> Feel sorry <laughs> for me. She's like, I've heard it. I've heard it so many times. <laughs> I'm in pain. I'm broke. I'm in pain. It's so good. She's so good. I love these people. I get these love fests inside, mm-hmm. right? I can't find the words to express like the gratitude for being on the show, the luck that I feel yeah. that we had these people yeah. like the And just like watching them. I don't know. And, you know, this is before Jane was on Glee because because I remember at some I know event we were all at. This was right before she got Glee. We were just in we were all geeking out over the fact that she was in the Christopher Guest films. Exactly. And like brilliant in those. We're like, oh my God, it's her. And then we were at this event and she's like, oh, I got to run. We just were shooting the pilot right. for the show I just got. Right. It's called Glee. And we we're like, oh, cool. Well, good luck with everything. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> cut to. Best of luck. She has this great line, which is like, you know, pure divorce lawyer. Because Tina says like, I'm angry. And she's like, good. Ang- anger will change your life. But then she gets a little like, you know, interested in Tina, it seems. Right? Oh, sure. There's certainly something brewing under the surface. And then she offers to let her stay in her guest house, which is mm-hmm. a very L.A. thing to do. Stay in my guest house. Sure. I remember there's this this lesbian in town back in the, you know, late 90s. I'm not going to say her name, but she she had a very popular house that had a guest house, or I should say her her guest house was a very popular place for lesbians to stay after breakups. I must have known five girls that 
went through that guest house that were like, would I know who this person is? I don't think so. I think it was before you moved here. You know, I lived in Eileen's guest house. Yeah. Up in Nichols when I first got to LA. You did. For like a month or two. Lived in my family's guest house. It's a rite of passage when you come to LA and you're like, where do I go? Stay in my guest house. And then you're there and it's convenient. Mm -hmm. The trick is knowing when to leave. Yeah. Well, always, right? I mean, that's across the board. Well, some people don't learn that lesson easily. Well, obviously Tina doesn't because she has been staying with Alice for over a month. No, but she even says I'm staying on my friend's couch. Like, you know, like I need my own place. Poor thing has nothing of her own. Nothing. And pregnant. And pregnant. And here's the funny thing. We learn later that Alice is still oblivious to this pregnancy, but she's living in her house and she still doesn't know she's pregnant. Leisha. That's a stretch for me. It's beyond a stretch for me, especially for Alice, but also others as well. But we'll like, wouldn't she like it, all the things that you go through in a pregnancy, which I, I know probably 5% of, I would think some, well, like I would know if I had a friend here for a month, if she was pregnant yeah. or not. Especially that pregnant. I mean, and I'm not even talking about the physicality of the whole oh, thing. Oh, I am. I'm talking about just what people go. Because when she reveals. Well, I know, but go. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we can laugh about that scene when it happens and yes, but the things you go through while you're pregnant, like don't people throw up? Isn't there a whole like a pickle and a peanut butter thing? Like the food you eat or the cravings or the irritability? I think that's case by case, but. Of course. I'm not saying this is No, a, but it, it is a stretch. It's a complete stretch. Bet I could believe wouldn't know because every time she sees Tina, Tina's, you know, sitting. So like the table is obscuring. So sure. But outside of bet, I don't buy it. No. But hey, it's the L word. It's the L word. You're supposed, (laughs) it's supposed to be stretching your imagination. Mm -hmm. Take it with a grain of salt. Then we're on the street. This is our, this is one of the scenes you and I have talked about through the years where we really loved bet in this scene. Oh, it's peak bet. Yeah, she's in her blue convertible. And she gets into she gets into an accident. And I couldn't tell from the footage who was at fault. And she's spaced out from pain. Bet ran a red light. She did run a Kate. red light. So she T-boned a car at an intersection. She, she did. Yeah. Unhinged bet is peak bet. It's the best bet. Yeah. It's an iconic scene. Yeah. So this guy gets out. He's like, how could you? And what you ran red and what da da. And she's sort of in that zone, mm-hmm. you know, that state. Mm-hmm. And she lets loose on this guy. Yeah. The very end of it is my favorite. Where she's like, he's like, oh, you're you're crazy. What makes you think I haven't already? And she like grabs yeah. him and like slams him up against her car or his car. Uh-huh. Shakes him. Ugh. So good. I think that was shot in LA. I could have that scene go on. Like, like what happened? How did it wind down? How did they exchange, you know, insurance cards? Like, how did it, where did it go? I would have watched that scene for another four minutes. Same here. But instead it cuts to the planet. Mm-hmm. You always got to cut back to the planet. Always, because Kit's doing a renovation. I'd love to know who her contractor is because she feels very confident that those floors are going to be installed today. Today. Well, not only that, she's a crew of like 20 people and... Who's the contractor? Can I have his number? This is also had it like in a week. She got, she just got the the money last week or maybe days ago and already it's like there are men climbing the walls look at the reboot shane bought a bar renovated a bar and opened a bar in a span of an episode and a half right and learned how to run it like the deliveries of the the beer and the booze yeah yeah but i'm just saying like good for kit to find that contractor you and i come in it's funny to go back to like what i care about now and what i cared about then i didn't care about any of this then i know like I would have been fascinated by like, oh, wow, I wonder what she what she's going to turn this place of, what into. Kind of, what is she going to use for those countertops? How is she going <laughs> to seal that? Can I see the before and after? Are you doing exposed beams or are we going to? Exactly. Meanwhile, you and I are just like, hey, hey, kid. <laughs> OK, so she tells us that she's going to have a jazz quartet and we teach her about the lesbian phone tree. Which does also exist at L.A. It's sort of an. You know, if you want to get a hold of someone for whatever reason, you're really just three lesbians away from anything, getting that person's information and contacting them. It's true. I mean, 
let's just put it in real life right now. Like, let's say I needed to get a hold of Pink because that's who's referenced. That's two lesbians away. No, actually, it's one. You think so? Yeah. You can put that in your head right now. I just did the math. One. If you want to be polite, two, but one. (laughs) You just go straight to the source or hop a couple of lesbians to get there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is like that in this town. I love later Kit just kind of truncates all things. She's like, I believe in the tree. (laughs) But I also like how you think you're going to get pink to play a coffee shop in WeHo. How about I said she would love to play here? I bet. Oh, you sure. In 2005. (laughs) So that means she's at her peak, peak pink. But like it's a coffee shop. And she's going to be rolling into a coffee shop in WeHo. I don't think Whoever so. It is, it's almost like open night, mic night. Like, I'm all like, of course they'd want to play. They'd love to play here. Alice, but I don't know get your what. your out of the clouds, Alice. And this is like based on what? The the, uh, the Abbey sort of. Pink wouldn't play the Abbey right? either. I know. I'm trying to think of like the most popular coffee shop. It was Little Frida's in the Abbey. At the time, I think it was the Abbey. Yeah. And still, I don't think Pink would want to play either one. But I don't know. I'm not Pink. Maybe she'd. I appreciate uh, I appreciate Alice's idealism with pink. All right. Hold that thought. We'll be back in a minute. Okay. Then we're at the CU. We're with Sandra Bernhard and Jenny. Right. And Jenny asks her why she didn't get in the writing class. And Ms. Birch is she's hardcore. I mean, I'd say she's a little more hardcore than Joyce Wishnia. She's brass tacks. She's like, you are not good. And that's why you're not in the class. I like how Sandra. I like how you she, journal. You journal. You journal. She says everything really slowly. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't have much for that scene. I just, uh, I, but I do think Mia's hair looks fabulous. I thought this, I was like, nice hair. Great hair. Yeah. And I like how she played it too. Everything yeah. was simple. Everything's in Mia's eyes at all times. Like she doesn't have to say a single thing and you know exactly what she's thinking or you assume you know what she's thinking because. Well, that's a good actor, right? Her eyes are just speak volumes. But yeah. Yes. She wants to know why she didn't get into the class. Because you journal. You journal. Okay. So Joyce, we're at Joyce's house. Alice is helping Tina move into the guest house, which we turn the corner. Is that poncho supposed to be hiding the pregnancy bump and you're that oblivious to it? Yes. I even wrote down, does Alice know yet? Why the poncho? Because I thought maybe you knew. I had forgotten about who knew and who didn't know, honestly. But no. But you don't know. Nobody, you don't know either. Nobody knows. I, well, it makes sense that I wouldn't know. Why? But with you, she's at your place. Right. Makes extra sense. Anyway, this is where we get into it's a stretch because I don't buy it either. It's okay. I mean... Whatever. I'm on the ride. Anyway, we're like, this is a guest house because it's like the size of a real house. Which is, you know. Back to the planet, but drops off some paperwork from the bank. I didn't know if it was supposed to be important or if it was like a story point, but kind of got like left behind that idea. And then Kit's worried about the opening. And then Bet is like, I'm in a divorce. I'm being, you know, taken for all my money and I just got in a crash. So what are we going to order? That's like, hold my beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kit, there's no compare. There's no, no comparison. I don't know. I think opening a bar is just as stressful. It is, but you're going through a divorce and your ex-wife, you, you know, once, you know, you, you think, cause she thinks Tina's coming after everything that she owns and that there's no possible future. There's no turning back. Yeah. Well, I kind of took it like I went a little deeper and I was like, maybe Bet and Kit's whole life, it's always been about Kit's problems and what Kit's going through. And mm. you know, Bet's kind of like, sit down for a minute. I'm having actual problems, sister. Yeah. Help me. Could, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. You're right. Anyway, they chose Mexican, which I thought was a great choice. Jenny and Shane's. It's the <laughs> blossoming of the, the roommate ship. Do you remember there was a cut scene? Well, maybe I should hold off on this story a moment until, because I haven't, oh, should I wait? No, Let's wait. go. Let it go. Let it fly. What well, is it? All right. We're at Jenny and Shane's house. And I love that Carmen doesn't care that she's in her underwear and a stranger who whose house that is walks in. Like I love her self-possession 
Nobody cares that Carmen's in her underwear. Well, maybe Carmen would care, but Carmen doesn't care. I really admire her self-possession. And she said, so what shows that you like someone more, you care about them more, beer or soy milk? And typical Jenny says soy milk. And and then we go in to Shane's room with Carmen. Before you go to the room, can we talk about what Jenny poured herself? Whole milk. A giant glass, a giant glass of whole milk. I hope she's not lactose intolerant. (laughs) Strange, but okay, continue. (laughs) But anyway, so then we get into... um, Shane's room. And now I can get into the cut scene. So we shot a scene. You and I moved you and I, because the idea was that Shane moved into Jenny's and Shane built all of her own furniture. Uh And we wanted to fix the place up. She's a real, she's really handy with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And we filmed a scene. I remember painting a wall. Uh huh. We had those same shirts on that we left. I had that green t-shirt on and you had your blue. Correct. And we, I had the blue polo. Uh huh. And in the room, there was no furniture. And well, there was furniture pieces in it to look, make, make it look like Shane's in the midst of, you know, building her bed frame. But there was a bag, like one of those military bags that mm-hmm. you kind of sling over your shoulders. And you were sitting on it. And you went to go sit down on it and you fell backwards off the bag. <laughs> I ate shit. I was like, <laughs> yeah. and anyway, the, and it's just like, and the crew, Why like, did they cut it? Fell out that like we all had to stop because it's like I missed it and then it didn't support me. So like, I just kind of go over like a weeble wobble. No, but why'd they cut the scene is what I mean. I don't know, because what a cute scene to have like your friend over to help paint the walls. I mean, I get it. We don't need it, but it would have been cute. Yeah, we needed it. Anyway, now we're, but we're doing the too hot game. I mean, if you're going to pick, people will probably be, well, I'd rather see the too hot scene. But you could have had both. I like how Rose shot that scene. It was beautiful. The point of the game seems kind of stupid, but. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. In fact, Lara wrote the scene between Alice and Dana about the rules of unattraction. And now she's writing a game. Which one was that? Where we had to like figure out all the ways to not be attracted to each other. And then now you have a game like Too Hot. Where in Runyon Canyon? Yeah. That was her scene. And then now she's written, I guess she likes games. Clearly. Yeah. This game didn't make much sense to me. But point is, Shane lost. Why didn't that make sense? Because it seems like you can't touch me, I can't touch you, and we're kissing. And It's just a sex game. I think there's better sex games out there is all I'm saying. <laughs> it was a little kindergarten-ish. Okay. I thought it was great. For an X-rated girl like Shane, it was a little, but it was a good scene. I like the scene. But Shane, I don't know. I disagree. I think it was great for Carmen to make you play that game. I like that. Shane lost. Because it's always your rules. It's always your... Yeah, that's what... Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I like that she lost and I like how Carmen just has this self-possession where she's not intimidated or feeling insecure and everything she gets thrown at her, she handles with grace. Mm-hmm. Big Carmen fan. I understand the, understand the hype. Yeah, you guys made a lot of sense together and she yeah. was the only one that was a match for you. And you try so hard to keep your Shane gig up with your like I gotta go I gotta by the way hmm. we're not there yet okay let's go there okay let's go there so after you have sex well we have well first well we, do you want to talk about Jenny's fantasy do we care okay we have to not really we, we don't we have, have to. to why who what says you, we have to you can't we're, pretend we're, it didn't happen Jenny sits at her computer writes what she thinks the teacher is gonna <sighs> love And it's a carnival scene. We're back to the carnival. She's a little girl. There's a bunch of little boys. She pops through. We're beginning to delve into her abuse and she's writing a fictionalized story about it. End scene. Right. Journaling. End scene. End scene. The music is what I had a hard time with. Yeah, it was pretty bad. All right. So now we're back and now we can get into the Great Wall of Shane. This is the part I thought was beautifully shot was Mm -hmm. this scene. Yeah, it was. It was shot really well. It, you don't say anything, but it was very telling, much like what Jenny does. And I thought your performance was beautiful. And I felt nice. for Carmen. I also felt for you. Like, oh, she's got a lot of she's got a lot of damage, a lot of baggage. Doesn't want to talk about it. Then you get up and you're like, well, I, got- I, I, I have to say, I forgot it entirely about the scene until it popped up today, and that scene says more about the internal damage than any other scene that character has had so far. 
Right. And it's your favorite thing, which is you didn't say anything. You love that. She doesn't have the skill to be vulnerable. She just doesn't. No. And Carmen is so, again, patient and... Let's, I want to know you. I, I'm, let's be intimate. Who are you? Yeah. Where'd that, where'd that tattoo come from? What, how did this happen? Like yeah. little get to know you things that anybody in bed would probably talk about, but you're like slam shut. And she gets frustrated, but I never get the sense that she's taking it personally. No. She's no, it's, just... I take it as like, am I really going to keep going towards this person? Right. This is a damaged person. Or she says, or she thinks to herself, okay, fine. You don't want to talk about it? Great. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, you figure it out. You go, you go out and you have your night. Right. But what night? This is the part I want to get to. Where are you going? Good question. Couldn't tell you. If I was Shane, I wouldn't be you're going really anywhere. You're really getting dressed like you were go- like, you're like, I got to go out. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. Things close in LA, at, in LA early. So where does she think she's going to go? Maybe there's an after hours that we don't know about. Okay, so you're just a girl who needs to be in clubs. You need to be in like bars and clubs. Uh, couldn't tell you. You just want to get away from someone in your room. You're like, if you're not going to go, I have to go. I think she she says she even says that. I don't like sleepovers. I, know, I think she's so trying to find any way to say, okay, we had our good time. You're not going to leave, obviously. So time I to will. go because I don't want you spending the night. But you don't say time to go. You say I'll go. No, because she, she's too nice and she's too polite. She's going to dance around it. She's not going to be that blunt. And so she's like, I'm going to go out. Because normally been you've been blunt. You're like, eh, this is different. It's like, all right, we just, you know, they slept together. It was great. Yeah. It's late at night. The obvious choices. She went, you know, she'll spend the night. And Shane's, Shane's an avoidant. That's yeah. her. I did that once. Name. I pretended. <laughs> I pretended I had to meet a gardener at like six in the morning. Oh, Alicia, I've pulled that so many times. You got to earn a sleepover at my house. Okay. This is a great scene. Tanya. Dana walks into, <laughs> I want a Tanya t-shirt. Me That's too. how obsessed I am with her right now. She's Dana walks into what she thinks is going to be a normal lunch with her fiance. There's a table full of people from every, you know, from the Advocate magazine, Absolute Vodka, Bride magazine. Basically, she's going to do, she's going to have a sponsored wedding, wedding. Celebrity with all wedding. of these different companies. I mean, Tanya is the queen of puns. Yes. And everyone's like, brilliant idea, Tanya. <gasps> Amazing. I mean, she's thought of everything. And Dana's like, what the fuck? Like, this is turning in and... Yeah, but a little impressed on the inside, but also what the fuck. Then her business manager or their business manager is at the end of the table says, at the end of lunch, so I'm going to cut out of your corporate account, Tanya's 15% managerial percentage. Right, and then it gets Dana's wheels turning because then she's... Like, everything in her body is screaming no, but... She's thinking to her, her rational side is thinking, yeah, but she does all this stuff. Yeah. And then she automatically asks, well, who's, who's paying for this lunch? Corporate. Corporate. Corporate account. And then what I was impressed with was Dana, the Dana we knew in first season wouldn't have, wouldn't have done this, but Dana's like, when Tanya walks back up, she's like, well, I'm paying, are you my manager? Are you my fiance? Yeah. Or my girlfriend, whatever they call it. And then Mm -hmm. Tanya's like, honey, oh, my favorite line, she goes, and she says, am I not doing enough? Yeah, am I not doing enough? enough? It's amazing because it's you, you feel for Dana because, you know, her body knows it's wrong, but you feel guilty in admitting that. Yeah. And then Tanya's like, I'm good. Like, she's good at what she does. I thought Aaron was great in that scene. Everybody was great in that scene. And then we're with Bet at CAC. Mm-hmm. And again, the grant money and she needs grant money. And someone says, Helena Peabody. But oh, no, her... Helena, P- Helena Peabody, something's happening now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Peggy, Peggy Peabody. Peabody. And now her daughter, Helena, is coming to take it over. And Bet's boss says, well, she's one of you, Bet. So maybe you should talk to her, which is a very unfortunate stereotype that I'm sure all of us have experienced. <laughs> wouldn't be on TV today. Huh? It wouldn't be on TV today either. No, but I'm saying in real life. I'm yeah. sure all of us have experienced it. Someone who means well is like, oh, they're gay. You're, they're going to be there. As if like suddenly that's like, you know, you're your thread that you're going to like each other automatically. Yeah. All gay people know each other and we're automatically going to be friends. Mm -hmm. 
well-meaning, but very tone deaf. That's why I like that scene. Then James pops in. He's like, so-and-so is called 14 times. And Bet does like an aside phone call. And she's like, listen, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the guy, the car. And everybody sees it. We're all starting to see this side of Bet that is like. Unhinged Bet. Yeah. But also powerful. Well, destructive. And Alice is cleaning her house with a nose strip. Yeah. Remember when those Bior strips were really popular back then? Yeah. And they don't work. I know they never, because the commercial shows it like, I mean, not to be gross, but like. No, it's satisfying. Results. You wish it did that and it doesn't. No. But boy, we, we sure all did it back then. They're bullshit. I had a box of them. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Anyway, I'm dusting my house because Tina's gone. So this is a big, you know, clean up behind the guest moment. The buzzer rings. It's it's Dana. She needs to talk. And she comes up. My favorite part of the whole scene. I'm going to say it. Patty. Patty. (laughs) (laughs) You too? (laughs) Yep. I love the instinctual checkout of the hot neighbor. Yeah. And just, I remember filming that and I... I requested a couple of extras because I wanted it to feel like an apartment building. You know, where you're familiar with your neighbors in the building. And I, I got to say, as I watched it, you know, 20 years later, I was very pleased with the result. Does Dana check out Patty too? She kind of looks, I rewound to see what Dana did. She kind of checks out Patty and then looks at you reacting to Patty. Yeah. Or just also, I didn't want Patty to know my business, but like. Well. You and, and Aaron there was another are one both too with a dog. Adorable yeah. in this Aww. scene. And you're such babies. It's crazy. Little tiny, like tiny two people. baby faces. Yeah. That are falling in love. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's pretty hardcore at this yeah, point. Yeah, I felt the tension in that one. At least Alice was able to admit um, Tanya's negotiating skills because it is impressive. I know. They both acknowledge that she's good at what she I does. Mean, she is. <laughs> <laughs> you can't deny it. No, you can hate her, but you can't deny her her skills. Anyway, she leaves. We stare at the bedroom. She leaves. We know it's not Mm -hmm. right. Back at CU, Jenny follows Sandra Bernhard to her door, her car door, and is like, you need to read this. And she's like, I've told you, I'm not into your writing. I'm glad Jenny's being assertive. Me too. I liked it. And of course, that that made her, um, she leaves the thing on her windshield and obviously... Ms. Birch reads it later. And we have a party at Shane and Jenny's house. Is that what that's called? All right. Well, all right, well let, me, let me dial it down. Say that it's a get together <laughs> at Shane's house. I remember yeah. you were sitting on that couch in that outfit and the way you were positioned, because you, you had to deal with the computer, Rose Trochet uh-huh. <laughs> was like... Oh, wait, you're starting Rose to ring a bell. Like, Leisha. It's not cut cat on the hot tin roof. Can you change positions? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Kate, how did you remember that? Because it was amazing. It made me laugh so much. It was your outfit. It had because you had the little dance flats on. You're right. And I was curled up with my kid. Yep. Oh my God. Good Thank memory. You. Also, what I noticed in this scene, and not just this scene, but many of the scenes mm. in this episode. That we are so familiar with each other as actual friends mm-hmm. at this point that we have so many looks mm-hmm. and stares and like moments with each other that we were only having as real people. Like I had it with Jenny in this scene. It's nice that the director, that directors on the show and the editors knew that and kept that in. Because all it does is add more to the scene and gives it a little more color because, you know, directors wouldn't have to keep it. They could just play by the book. But thankfully, they're always looking for those little things that we came up with. Like we do little looks and glances to each other the whole time. Yeah. You know, because usually, you know, normally you're like, oh, that was good. I hope they keep it in. That's what you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? They don't. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, well, you know. Yeah, like these are the days we would leave 
you know, right after that scene or whatever and go out to get dinner. in the car and go meet for dinner. Yeah, it's it's when all the worlds were sort of colliding. The beginning well, of that. At this point, you, Mia and I were roommates. Aaron lived down the street. Exactly. Where you just started pretending, oh, Mia's playing right. Jenny right now. And I'm playing Alice and you're playing. It's kind of what we do now. Like yeah. when we're in a scene together. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Kate's mm-hmm. Shane, right? It's not Kate. It brought me a lot of joy. And everyone's having a drink. It's a really lame get together, P.S. Really lame. I'm having a hard time with pink. You're making fun of me. Jenny comes and home. And then Bet strolls in through the back door and she's, you know, she's had a few. She's a little. It's like weekend at Bernie's. She's like half dead in the eyes. God bless having uh, Tanya around in those awkward situations because Tanya is that kind of character that refuses to be awkward. So she'll kill any awkward silence. She even said it. Well, this is awkward. Yeah, exactly. She's a great person to have. Well, also, Alice and Dana were being were bickering. It just wasn't a it wasn't it didn't have a lot of levity. <laughs> Your party. Well, we were just kicking back until Bet strolls in and Bet's a buzzkill. Like she's a bad drunk. Let's face it. Well, she's depressed, Kate. I understand. But, you know, those people when they drink, it's like they're not a side of themselves. They're not their not their best self comes out. And you always think, God, I hope they don't drink too much tonight because of that tendency. Uh-huh. That's that person. Yeah. I mean, she's had some fun drinks. This is just she's in a moment where she shouldn't probably be boozing it up. Well, I can only speak for the present. And right now she's a bad drunk. OK. But we played another game. Oh, my God. I'm realizing Lara plays games and scripts. We play a game. What would you uh, would you ask yourself out at a bar? I thought that was interesting. All of our answers. I like Jenny's answer the most. Well, you were like, I'd fuck myself, which was hilarious. Jenny's like, I'd never I wouldn't touch myself as a no, girl. Jenny said if I was a guy, yeah. I would ask myself out. And if I was a girl yeah. asking myself out, I'd never ask myself out, which is brilliant. It's brilliant. a good answer. Yeah, it's a great answer. I enjoyed that game. I've enjoyed every game. Then we see uh, Shane and Alice, you know, carrying Bet back to her house because they're next door neighbors, which was a real foreshadow to the reboot. I literally thought the same thing. I was like, oh, my God, it's the trio. I wish this reboot had more scenes like the one that we're talking about. Right. And it was very simple, but it was like a scene where we're just helping one of Friends. us that's that's in need. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought the same thing. Like the reboot. Like We need that in the reboot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just talking all the time, but like action. That was like an action that's showing, oh, okay, these two characters. Care about her. Well, yeah. Although she messed up. Sure, there's still love there. Exactly. And then I apologize because I've kind of been a little hardcore with her. I didn't remember Beth and Alice being so contentious. The the relationship. I didn't. No memory of that. Anyway, I apologize. And we both kissed her on the head. The next morning, Beth's in bed with COVID. Isn't she? <laughs> if she had it, there wouldn't have been a test around to know. Or she's just hungover. She had Pepto Bismol. I, I don't was know. Like, huh. She's in my, you know what? Uh, in my, she has COVID, so she's staying in. It's a light case. She um, some still with the the Peabody grant application. James calls in. Beth's like, I'm working from home. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. She touches Tina's pillows. A lot of pillow touching between Bet and Tina this episode. Quick cut over to the CU where Jenny is in the class. So you're kind of wondering, is she like stalking this teacher at this point? No. Turns out Mrs. Birch, Ms. Birch slides the the call in, the sign-in sheet for Jenny for the class. So she's in the class. That's the reveal. She's made it. She likes her work. She opens up her paper and it says, better indeed. And Jen, Jenny really looks... Like, real, it kind of broke it's my a win heart. for Jenny. Yeah, it was sweet. We find Alice coming to Tina's house because it's the planet's big opening night mm-hmm. under new management. And Tina's not ready. And poor Alice, she's the one character out of all of the characters that has been stuck in the middle of Bet and Tina more than anybody else. Stuck in the middle of the breakup. Ugh. And I've been there, by the way, in life. It sucks. Yeah, unless you secretly hated the person that they were dating and that way you're relieved. But no, in this case, it just it just sucks because it, it ruins the natural order of things. Also, back in that day, 
or I don't know, it probably still exists, but like those really solid lesbian relationships, like the pressure surrounding them was so large when, when you had that couple that was like, oh my God, they've been together seven years. And you were just like, like the thought of them breaking up made for some reason made your world collapse. If it didn't work out, it was sort of like, if they can't make it, I can't make it or I'll never find it or I'll find it. And then it'll dissolve or it just like, it was like the big hope in the sky. But it's also the, uh, the whole thing of like, oh God, this is just going to complicate everything, the structure of everything socially. If I invite her, I can't invite that one or vice versa or, you know, whose side is who on and I have to navigate that. Or yeah. Or the pressure of like, well, don't you agree with me or don't you should be agreeing with me yeah, or that was wrong. Or, all of it. And I don't blame Alice for breaking down in tears because. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny though. She's like, bet smoking and drinking herself to death and you're eating your feelings. And that was the big reveal. Like I thought. And now we've. And now she finally reveals that she's pregnant and she's very pregnant. Very. How in the world did she hide that? Like, did did Laurel deliver her baby that week? That's how pregnant she is. I mean, how in the world? I don't know. Are you supposed to believe that she hid that from you? She's like, Alice, I'm not fat. (laughs) And then she lifts her her shawl. And now it's opening night at the planet. and. DJ Carmen is spinning records. You know that Sarah took DJ lessons. Good for her. And I got to say, I respect Carmen because she's using real vinyl. I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay. Anyway, I love watching Sarah DJ. We don't see her do it a lot. We usually see her do it in the background. But if you watch, if you just pay attention to what she's doing, it looks like she's having the best time entertaining herself. But a lot of DJs do that. Like a lot of it is about like, I look like I'm having the most fun, so you should too. Like, you no, know, you just got you got to watch her. Like she's I really do. enjoying herself. It's one of my favorite things. Like I she's believe laughing it. Laughing and dancing and like jamming away with the hat on her head. And yeah, whole thing. We have a friend in common who's a DJ, and she does that. It's all about like crowd, whatever you call that. I don't know, amping up the crowd. Yeah, but she's not amping up the crowd. She's just having the time. It's like she's having her own solo party is my point. And when you watch Carmen, it looks like she's having like a party for one. Oh, I see. Having the best she's time. not ever like looking up like, are you feeling this too? <laughs> okay. She's just having a really good time. Well, the fedora is blocking her eyes. The fedora, the oversized uh, fedora that doesn't properly fit on her head. You and Mia had one of the scenes I was referencing earlier where she's like, I don't know. You remind me of one of my boyfriends in high school. I feel like that was Mia. I think Mia said that to you. And then anyway, I, I, I run in, I can't wait to tell you some gossip. You stopped me from doing it, which I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. And then the band walks in the band, Betty. Well, no, first bet the no and bets outside smoking. All right. And Jenny comes out to smoke and guess what? Bet claims she quit smoking four years ago. Which I did you remember Bet smoking so much? Nope. I think this is the only period on the show where she does. She, she never touches it again. But if there's anyone Bet should listen to, it's Jenny because Jenny just went through this. She went through the same thing. But but Bet, you know, thank God, admits that she was very judgmental the whole time and she couldn't believe Jenny was throwing her kindness. Yeah, and I like Bet and Jenny together and, and, and I and Jenny has like there actually is real empathy. Because Bet's like, well, I can't believe you're even talking to me considering how I treated you. And She said, yeah, I don't know. You know, Jenny's like a little open heart. And everybody's in like fabulous outfits, by the way. We haven't, I mean, this is where the budget went up. I'm not in the greatest outfit. I'm just in a sleeveless black t-shirt. I'm not, I mean, mine's okay, but those two outside of the planet were in mm-hmm. like Mew Mew and who knows. And then, Tina, and then, while Bet's over at the planet, Tina comes to Bet's house to gather some of her some of her things, and she sees that the, the bed is unmade, so she's fluffing the pillows, and you know, as you can tell, she's getting a little sentimental. And there's Bet's computer. And she smells the pillow. She smells the pillow. She sees Bet's computer, and you know, cardinal rule: like, don't go searching because you will find something. Yeah, don't look at people's stuff. And of course, she does find something—an email from Candace that says, "I miss you." With a 
picture attached of them in bed together. Yeah, which is a one-sided email with no response. So I have to give that to Bet. I was kind of like, Tina, yeah, there's still no... stings, though. I know, it's the still picture, stings. The picture stings. Yeah. Also, why does Tina only have clothes that are hung up? Do they not have drawers? Nobody's ever dealing with folded clothes over at their house. It's always oh, things are on hangers. I don't need to watch Tina fold things from a drawer. I just get the hint that she's gathering her belongings and heading out. Okay. Okay. And so then... So that's been ruined because we were led to believe Tina's... Here she goes. She's going to come back. She loves mm-hmm. Bet. She misses her. She's hugging the pillow. Mm-hmm. Nope. Back at the planet, who shows up? Betty shows up. Betty shows up. Betty was the big win. We, we went from pink to Betty. Pink to Betty. Thanks, Alice. Well, you know what? I said earlier in the night, I can't get pink. Okay. There's only so much... I Don't make done. excuses. Don't make excuses. Where's the booking agent for the planet? Why is this on my you're the ass? One who, you're the one who stuck her foot in it and said, oh, I can help. Okay, but don't listen to me and get someone who can reach out to managers of bands. Well, it's a little late for that now, isn't it, Alice? The best scene of the whole episode is Dana and Tanya dancing. I could watch a full hour of Aaron yeah. Daniels. Dancing dance. anytime. Like, I, I mean, that could just be episode four as far as I'm concerned. And then Tanya uh, drags They're ridiculous over. together. And then, They're ridiculous. Yeah, they, 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 lure, they lure Alice over and that dance-off kind of turns into like your dream. And I think she's like, I know what's going on. And really, she's just saying, I took your friend. But it's like your dream that you had in the opening of the episode. It's like reflective of how it be opened. And you're like, ah, get me out of here. Uh, I thought it was funny after Alice left, how forcefully Tanya kisses Dana. <laughs> oh my god and then the band starts to play the betty band starts to play. the betty band starts to play the lead singer you know that's p.s that was supposed to be peaches another well peaches came later no initially peaches was supposed to be this because i remember initially shane was supposed to peaches was supposed to pull shane up on stage and make out with her and then it got flipped at the last minute oh interesting but, you know, the lead singer singing out to the crowd, she spots Shane trying to lure her up to the stage. Shane shakes her head no. So the lead singer hops down off a little stage and starts walking towards her. And, and we're all watching the whole scene. I remember this day, just like watching this all happen. And I'm standing next to Mia and I could see Mia scooching out of that shot as fast as possible so she could get the hell out of it. That's what I'm saying. These are the things. You get lured up. She pretends the microphone is your dick. She sings in it. I was like, wow, Kate would never let any of that happen today. It's a little crass. I, I thought, wouldn't you, allow I thought it. it was crass for you. Yeah, it's tacky. I didn't like it either. But there you were doing it. And then you guys really made out. I didn't remember that. I had to. Yeah, you guys really made out. And the whole point of doing that is not for any other reason aside from the fact that Carmen's there. And you know what? Shane's a fucking sucker because. What do you expect a girl to go through? I mean, you're just like. I mean, Carmen sees that she maintains her composure once again. She always does that when she gets shit on and she like, you know, lifts her head up high and marches on. And it's like, Shane, you're a fucking sucker. Because later on, she goes to bring Carmen a drink. And Carmen is now sitting with Jenny. And kisses her just to feel better. Just to have a little chat. And then Carmen's like, fuck it. And she leans over and kisses Jenny, yeah. right? As Shane's going up to bring over drinks. And then Shane walks away defeated. It's like, it's like, fuck you, Shane. Yeah. It was a you big fuck you, Shane. officially annoy me. Yeah. I felt a little bad for Jenny because I don't think she understood the reasons, but. No, no. Right now, Jenny's innocent. She has no idea. Yeah. And she's like, oh, the underwear girl from the, the, uh, where I got my whole milk. It's funny, though. She did know she was at your house. Wouldn't she be like, um, aren't you Shane's? Like, Everybody don't give shares it if you can't take. Like, my whole thing show. is don't give it if you can't take it, Shane. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, you have a lot to learn. Shane has to grow up. You really do. A little childish. And then Bet's really sweet with Kit because the night turns out well, to be wait, a huge first success. Kit gets asked, she gets, oh yeah, right before she no, gets prior asked. prior to getting yeah, asked to like, sing, proud Kit, of her. Like, Bet looks, Bet finally shows up because... She was late and she says, she's really sweet. She says, that's my sister. I know. It was very cute. And then they give her props from the stage. They invite Kit up. I miss Kit. Me too. 
they all sing some kind of wonderful. And you just feel like this is great. Kit has a successful business and this is all going to be great for her. Was Pam she really needed singing? That. I'm yes. sure she was, yeah, but she do was you know singing. if she was? Yeah. I just realized I got out of that whole scene early too before you kissed Betty. When I went to pee, I was gone. You're lucky. Never to be seen again. I just realized that. That's why watching it, I was kind of like, I don't remember them making out like that. And then now I remember why it wasn't there. Lucky. Oh my God. To end the whole episode, Bette comes home in her fabulous outfit and she sees her bed made up, which is confusing. She's kind of looking around like, why is my bed made? And then she looks to the hangers because that's the only place they have clothes. And she's like, okay, Tina must have been here. Then she sees a computer. You can tell her face falls a little. And then she opens it up and sees the picture of Candace and Bet, And she knows Tina saw it. And there's nothing left to do except walk into your backyard. That's what you do. walk right into the pool with your face down with all your clothes on. I mean, if I was Bet, I'd be doing the same thing at that point. I mean, what's there left to do? No, you have to just float at that point. Yeah. It's like this whole episode's either about a misunderstanding or speaking up and, and using your voice or not speaking up, right? Like that's, and, and Bet's just, Bet means well and she's either not speaking up and she's being misunderstood. And How much lower can Bet get in Bet's, in Bet's own mind? She can't. She's got to just bob in the water. This episode this was really good. It was great. It was the strongest one of the season. Yeah. Now I feel like things are moving. The first two, it was kind of slow and trotting along. And now you're in, we're in and like with things, there's movement and things are happening. And, and, and it, it's, uh, yeah, like the, I, I'm feeling more consequence as opposed to just the simmering tension. Yeah. Characters are going through things and that's what you want on a television show. <laughs> anyway, good job, Rose and Lara. Well, we give that a 10 out of 10. Rose and Lara. 10 out of 10. Next week we do episode four. I'm excited. Yeah, Maybe do. we could watch that one together with some some cuppas. Should we? We haven't watched one together since the summertime. Have a great week. What are you eating? Nothing. What is that? I got hungry. What is it? I'm not even going to chew it till we stop. What is it? Tell me what it is. It looks really good. Goodbye, everybody. This has been what is Pants. It? I could barely say Pants because my what mouth is full. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Pants, a podcast brought to you by myself, Kate Menig, and Nisha Haley. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Please listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow Pants on Instagram, at The Pants Pod. Theme song by Carolina Para of the band CSS. And graphics are by Love Fox. Love Fox.